Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reinald Show, we talk about how we determine loading in the rehab process, training with bare feet, and our recommendations for dry kneeling certification courses. The Ask Mike Reinald Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I am up here at Champion PT and Performance up in Boston. I'm here with the crew as usual, Lenny Macrina, Director of Physical Therapy, co-owner. Double fisting. <laughs> Double fisting. <laughs> My coffee's over there. i got to get that. Uh, Lenny Macrina, website is championptandperformance.com. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dan Pope. <laughs> Lenny doesn't have a website. Uh, Dan Pope from Fitness Pain Free, one of our PTs here. Dave Tilly from Shift Move. MovementScience.com, we're here, and we got a new student to introduce to everybody today, a new student, right, is Joe Coppola, Coppola, Joe Coppola, I screwed it up, I knew I did it, Joe, 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 Joe Coppola, Joe Coppola from Stony Brook in New York, are you, a, are you a Yankee fan, kid? No. He's not a Yankee fan. How about, you want to do this whole episode with a Boston accent? Lenny's got it. That's easy. <laughs> with our normal I'll accent? Do, I should we'll say. do opposites. <laughs> just, do, just do the whole thing. Make so, my smart stat. Yeah, oh, you don't, for, you don't have to tell you? I like smart stat. We, we just said we got to go fast today. But, uh, you don't have to tell you? I got an email. How about this one? I got an email from a listener the other day that said they were watching our podcast with closed caption on. It was muted because... You know, they're in front of their students or something. This was Timo, by the way, from Birmingham. Uh, but uh, um, in front of their students, and the closed captioning was on, and the F word came up as a closed captioning. And I'm like, there's no way we, we don't swear on camera live. We, we swear after the episode. We don't swear on camera live. But I think it was like Lenny must have said, like, Patella. And, 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 and a spoon and a fox. Yeah, like, I eat with a spoon so and a knife and a fox. That was the only else I could think That's of was dad. that Lenny's Boston accent. But anyway, so. So, Joe, a new student from Stony Brook, it's uh, JoJo Coppolo. JoJo Coppolo is his nickname, JoJo. So, JoJo, start it off. Let's hit up some questions today. (laughs) All right. Amy from NC. Hey, champion crew. Two-part question for you. What methods do you guys use to determine resistance slash load in rehab? Example, 10 rep max. And number two is, what are your thoughts on RPEs and the determination of load? So, all right, so question one, how do we determine loading and rehab? What do you guys think? This is something we actually talk about a lot here. Well, I think that in the acute phases of any injury, it's very hard to because it's sub-maximal loading for the majority of what you're doing in the beginning. And then I think once they bridge into the more intermediate and advanced phase, you start playing around with percentages that are estimated or calculated from a theoretical. So I don't think we ever really are like, let's 5RM someone and see what we're going to use for the next six weeks, but I think we're like, you know, comfortable technique, moderate load, could you do this for eight, and then second part, what's your RPE with that? Is it like piece of cake, or was I like, no, it's, I was working, and we kind of play around with that? I don't think, I personally don't calculate specific percentage of RMs. And yeah, I'm getting feedback from them, like if they're doing, you know, a rehab example is like shoulder stuff, shoulder sideline external rotation, I'm not stopping at four pounds, but if they can do seven, eight, nine, ten pounds, and they're getting a good burn at six reps, yeah. 
I think you know that's a different thought process and phase in my head of a strengthening type phase, six reps, they're getting a good burn, let's stop there, versus maybe an in-season maintenance type program. They're doing five pounds, but they can get a set of 10 or 15 reps in. To me, that's just a, a you know, that's my way of judging, you know, perceived Pope's, exertion. Pope's I don't know if you have anything yeah. here. Pope, Pope's just sitting back yeah. and waiting. Yes. waiting yes. Right. These guys are idiots. <laughs> I, these idiots that treat basic shoulder stuff. <laughs> I like the RPE. Um, I think that's important. For a lot of people that don't work hard traditionally in the gym, they don't really know what it means to work hard. They think that they have to use lighter load. A lot of times, especially when I'm doing manuals, so we're doing like resisted extra rotation or something like that, I tell people I want this to be like seven or eight out of ten as far as toughness. You know, you have to play around a lot when you have pain. I think a lot of times, sometimes pain, you can't really push as much. But when I'm trying to purely strengthen someone, I want it to be challenging. So I ask a lot of questions about that, especially from like a, a manual resistance perspective, because I'm not really sure how much they can tolerate, what they're feeling. So I just want to get a good feedback. But I tell people, was that about seven or eight out of ten? If they're like, oh, it's about four, I was like, I need to pump it up a little bit. Or if they're like, yeah, technique's falling apart, ten out of ten, that's probably too much. You know? Right. So that's a good point from Dan. So if technique breaks down, that's usually not good for rehab, right? So we don't want that. So that's that's one big one. Um, yeah, I, I would say like post-op, it, it, sometimes it's a little easier post-op right because it's almost like you're starting from zero you're almost like say like an acl you're doing a mini squat week one it's body weight right so you just do linear loading for me as you just kind of incrementally go up and we're not in rehab oftentimes we're not working at a threshold to stimulate a ton of hypertrophy we're not working at at 80 percent of a one rep max we're, we're working at 10 20 percent sometimes so it's for me it's linear loading but i have a real simple way to do it is i start with something really basic and i ask was that easy moderate or hard and if, if they say easy or hard I adjust I want it in, in moderate in the middle but it's almost like selecting where you go like sometimes I'll just look at somebody and think like all right how, how much would they back squat with a barbell on their back and then I try to say like all right what's like 10% of that start there is that easy moderate hard and then kind of go up but I don't think any of us do anything fancy like you know RPEs like looking for uh, what is that uh, rating of perceived mm-hmm. exertion, exertion right scale. so I don't, I don't yeah I don't think we have an exact like scale we use but Smiley face scale. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Jojo, what's what's next? What's next? All right, Josh from Virginia. Mike, big fan. Love your podcast. What are your thoughts on performing exercises such as squats, deadlifts, and single leg movements barefoot? This seems like something Dan would do. So, Dan. Barefoot and shirt off. Squats? Yeah. De- what was it? Squats, deadlifts, and what? Um, yeah. Single leg movements. And single. All right, so lower body workouts, barefoot. What do you think, Dan? I think it really depends on the goals. You know, I think that uh, populations that can benefit from that are maybe foot and ankle patients. Um, a lot of runners, a lot of times, are doing a lot of single leg stance stability. I think that's really good for, for athletes who are on the field as well. You know, a lot of my athletes, they perform in shoes. They're doing a lot of Olympic weightlifting, so I think the shoe is very valuable for a lot of ways. Um, it just depends on the person that's in front of you. In general, I think it's, it could be a really good tool, but I also think you probably don't go crazy with it. You know, I don't think you should do everything barefoot, but you probably have to get a good subjective from that patient and figure out what their goals are, and then it can make up just a, a part of your plan of care. You know, I don't know if that helps out. But. Yeah, I, I think barefoot's... I, I hope barefoot's kind of getting less popular. I mean, for me, I know it's certainly less popular. I, I think... As a gym owner, I think it's 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 not the cleanest thing to do in your gym. But like, so let's say we're just not just talking barefoot, but maybe minimal or with socks on. You know, kind of use that. You know, you can see with deadlift with like a posterior kind of uh, like a posterior uh, a weight shift type thing is kind of what you want with the deadlift. That makes sense. But I always say like, there's a reason why squat shoes exist. 
mm. right? Squat shoes have a heel for a reason. It helps you with your mechanical advantage with, with, your, with your load, with your squat. It's easier to squat. That's why with the FMS, the FMS, you know, part of the thing is, is having, you know, the, your, your, your heels up at one point. So, um, so I, I, I'm not a big fan. I like to do my dynamic warm-ups barefoot sometimes or minimal or socks because I want that proprioceptive feedback. I, want, I actually want to work my feet. But then once I'm training one, I don't want to drop a weight on my foot. Not that my shoe's going to protect me, I guess, but whatever. Uh, you, know, you, know, but, uh, you know, but I don't know. Anyway, JoJo. All right, Megan from Tennessee. I'm a PT interested in pursuing a dry dealing certification. Any you recommend specifically? All right, so PT looking for a dry needling certification. Well, I mean, I don't, we don't endorse one, so to say, but like, I don't know. So we've all been through dry needling. Why don't, why don't we say what you've been through and, and would you recommend it? How about that? Yeah, it's actually kind of neat. I think we all have different certifications here, so maybe this would be a good learning experience. I did, I did something called SDN. as my boss, Andy Free, and, and Doug is his partner, I guess, started the business. But they were in Connecticut for years, and they also trained under Chan Gunn, I think is his mm-hmm. name. Am I saying that right? Um, but they took a lot of um, techniques from him as well as a Kinetic-Core and developed their own uh, system they like. Um, I think in general, they don't try to attack the muscles as much, but they're still looking for a twitch response, which I think is a big difference between certain certifications. I can say uh, from experience it's worked well for me, but I don't have a whole lot of experience trying other techniques either. Um, yeah, I don't have a great answer. Yeah, I took uh, Dr. Ma's course with Sue Falzone, and it was... I thought it was really good, like principle-based course, and they kind of did. Sounds like similar. They took like some stuff from gun. They took some stuff from the dry needle theory. They took some stuff from a very Eastern philosophy kind of biochemical stuff, and then it kind of all got wrapped into like this is our approach. You can twitch, you cannot. There's no research that says you have to or have to not at this point. So I thought it was a really good overview, and you know gave you the basics you need. I had to do a lot of reading beforehand to make sure I understood it thoroughly. And the three-day course was a little grueling, but learned yeah. a lot. So that's, that's cool because Dave, so Dave went to Dr. Ma's course when Sue Falzone kind of took over. She was working with Dr. Ma for a bit. I went with Dr. Ma, oh, cool. which was kind of cool. Now, Sue on her own has, has started her own, and it's not with Dr. Ma anymore. I, I believe, I don't want to speak Structure out of term, function, but yeah. yeah, it's called Structure and Function from Sue Falzone. So that's another one. So I, I did that, and I thought it was actually with Dr. Ma. I thought it was a fantastic introduction to it. But I will say, I then went to a Kineticore one, and, and Kineticore to me, I think, really like unlocked how I use it. Like, like Dr. Ma's course, I feel like taught me the basics and taught me some great concepts t- to use that I still use this day. But Kineticore helped me apply it, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's because Kineticore is, is based on PT and movement, and, and the SFMA is kind of integrated a little bit, you know. And I'm sure Sue, by the way, and talking to her, I know Sue's kind of transitioned to that a little bit herself. Yeah. So you know, I, I you know, I, I was I'm a big fan of both. I'd, I'd definitely go to one of uh, uh, Sue's courses. Dr. Ma, I think's fine, but I mean, if I had to choose. I think I'd go see Sue because one, it's Sue and she's a friend and she's great. But two is, um, you know, she's a physical therapist that does this, and I think I, I like that, right? But but then I can't speak, you know, more highly of Kineticore as well. Yeah, I did Kineticore. Mike and I did it actually in Atlanta a few years ago, and um, I thought it was well done. Um, a good overview of anatomy, all the different layers that you need to pay attention to uh, as you're uh, putting a needle into somebody's muscle. Um, and then applying it using SFMA, which all of us do, um, we seem to use SFMA a decent amount here. So just kind of movement assessment, applying that to uh, certain muscle groups and needling and um, you know, looking at pre and post changes, redoing the SFMA and seeing if it made any changes. You know, uh, and then just the research overview of why needling yeah, may sure. work, uh, trigger point, um, 
uh, trigger point theories and all that stuff. So I think it was a good overview. I recommend Kineticoa for anybody looking. Nice. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think we all have some decent experience from a different group, bunch of groups. So um, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those. You know, I think that'd be good. So awesome. That's it, right? That's three. Jojo. Jojo nailed his first episode. Good job, Jojo. Jojo Covalo from Stony Brook. Um, anyway, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on this uh, latest episode. Please go to AskMikeReynolds.com, click on that podcast link, and please leave us a review, a rating, subscribe to us on, on iTunes, whatever you can do to help us. But more importantly, go to that website so you can ask us questions because we really want to hear from you guys. So thank you so much. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinald.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.